Hello, and welcome to Season 8, Episode 12 of the Cartridge Club's Game of the Month podcast, where we bring together members of the Cartridge Club community to discuss our community playthrough. If you're new to the club or are interested in participating in future months for games like Super Mario Galaxy, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Diablo 2, join our community Discord, our forums at cartridgeclub.org, or follow us on Twitter at cartridgeclubna. We love to see the hashtag Cartridge Club used whenever you talk about one of the games we've selected. I'm Church, and on behalf of our rotating pool of hosts, Josh, the Q-Dogs, Ryan, and Musty Hobbit, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. On behalf of the entire Cartridge Club community, I'd like to give a huge shout-out to our Patreon Club backers. Joel Boyce, Kevin from Buried on Mars, Base Guy, Dean Lasagna from Round 2 Gaming, and Caleb J. Ross, as well as the rest of the Cartridge Club Patreon supporters. Thank you. August's Game of the Month for the Cartridge Club is chosen and voted on by our club Patreon backers. There were some fantastic games brought to the table, but the winning vote for this year's club Patreon backer choice Game of the Month for August is Mirror's Edge. Joining me to talk about Mirror's Edge is Marshall. Hello. Derek. Hi. And Leah. Hello. Thanks for joining, and I'm glad you're all here. So starting off our discussion here, I like to give kind of like the the, the back-of-the-box description, just like the generic description provided by uh, publishers about the game uh, to kind of see how that lines up with our thoughts. So Mirror's Edge uh, dis- is described as in a city where information is heavily monitored, couriers called runners transport sensitive data. In the seemingly utopian paradise, a crime has been committed and you are being hunted. You are a runner called Faith, and this innovative first-person action adventure is your story. And then Mirror's Edge was developed by DICE and published by EA. It was released on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, November 11th of 2008, and for Windows, January 12th, 2009. So disregarding the description I just shared, how would you describe Mirror's Edge to someone who's never heard of it? So Mirror's Edge, uh, the best way I would describe it, to anyone who hasn't done it, and I kind of have a little little experience with this considering I work in a game store, so I have to do this on the daily. I would display Mirror's Edge as a a parkour simulator that has a very intertwining uh, family-driven story, I think, would be be a good way to describe it. Um, You play the main character, Faith, who has a... I guess a contact in this group uh, called runners where you are a messenger delivery service for different uh, private corporations, as well as anyone else who has enough money to pay you to deliver a message. And what happens is, is you have a family member that gets accused of a crime that they obviously didn't commit. And your job is to uh, clear, try to clear her name and figure out the, actual source behind all of it general lamest terms there sounds like a cool game what about you leah yeah i thought of it much more simply i would describe mirror's edge as a first person platformer with some janky combat mechanics (laughs) sure yeah totally (laughs) combat's frustrating (laughs) very frustrating yes what are your thoughts derek uh a little bit of both. <laughs> I was going to say parkour game, 
neat first person view for parkour. You wouldn't expect to see that. And um, yeah, a little janky on the combat. Seeing the game at first, you kind of think you shouldn't be fighting and you're supposed to be passive. But uh, yeah, there's a little bit of times where I felt like I had to. (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, So what's everybody's history with the series, if at all? And what system did you play on? So I played the game originally on the 360 when it first came out. It looked super intricate to me. I loved seeing, I saw some clips where it had like this kind of, it didn't seem hand drawn, but it was very a unique anime style story cutscenes and really, really cool uh, like scenery. You're in this utop- like future futuristic utopian city kind of thing. And you're jumping from building to building, different platforms being guided by this red um, icons, buildings, scaffolding, everything like that. And I thought, holy crap, this looks really cool. Kind of futuristic made me think of VR and why this game hasn't been done in VR yet. I don't know. But I ended up playing it for the second time for the game of the month on my PS3 just to kind of see how it did. And I wanted to go for the pacifist run. That was a very big undertaking to say the least, especially how the gameplay went, but it felt a lot smoother on the 360 and I actually had a lot of screen tearing on the PS3 version, surprisingly, during certain um, animations and certain um, battles. There's this one part where you go up against this big uh, this big dude, he, he grabs you and throws you off the ledge if you can't time your counter just right. And there was screen tearing really bad, which threw off the timing, which I don't remember in the 360 version. It only mm-hmm. happened on the PS3 version. So still enjoyed it. Still really liked the PS3 version. Very happy. I now have that trophy for the full, uh, it's called the test of faith achievement trophy where you basically do not fire a gun or kill an enemy at all. Very proud to have that. This kind of makes me want to definitely delve into the series more for sure. Awesome. So I remember wanting to play this game when it came out, but I, I don't remember if I ever did. I know I tried it at some time before this year. I, I can see in my Steam library, I got, I got it in 2014. I don't know if I got it like on sale or in a bundle or what it was, but uh, I've definitely had it since then. I suspect I tried it back then, and I think I remember playing it and giving up quite quickly at the time. But uh, this time I played it on PC and uh, I pushed through it. I persevered very frustratingly at times. So, yeah, basically played on PC and and I don't think I ever tried it on console. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm glad you you, uh, persevered there. I first beat Mirror's Edge on the Xbox 360 uh, on July 28th, 2012. I only know that because I recorded it in Backloggery.com. Shout out to Backloggery. Nice. And also past Leo for recording that. And I played it again, of course, in preparation for this recording. At the time that I first played Mirror's Edge, I had a lot of frustration with both the fighting mechanics and the platforming. Like, I feel like the game strives so hard to be smooth, particularly in the running segments. But I feel like it just falls a bit short, literally. Um, (laughs) At the time of my original playthrough, I definitely struggled the most in the middle portion of the game. But upon replaying it this month, I fully expected that because I had had almost a whole decade of not only playing, but also preferring some incredibly difficult games um, that I would have no issues. Uh, That was not the case. I struggled most at the very beginning, actually, with the platforming. I zip lines and in the middle combat sections again. But the last quarter of the game, so fun. Awesome. Yeah, so for me... uh... Every time I've played it, it's always been PC. At the time, I was like PC focused, 
Um, since then, now I play a lot more console, but, you know, uh, if I could play a game on PC, I tend to go that route. Mechanically-wise, or, you know, ho- however the game performed, I've never had really that many issues with PC, although random crashing still happens, and I encountered that a few times. Uh, this is actually my third time playing, so I played it when it was first released. Thought it looked pretty neat. I'm always drawn to games that do things a little bit differently. And, you know, 2009 was kind of like in the middle of the the big, like every everything's a military shooter sort of game. So for a, a fir- especially a first-person shooter to kind of try to do some things different, I thought was pretty awesome. And yeah, I mean, playing it three times now, I, I, I think that says a, a little bit about it because generally if I don't like a game, I'm not going to be that keen on replaying it that many times, but have, I've had just, just as much fun every time I've played it. And I think it holds up pretty well, even compared to a lot of the games that are out today. Before we jump into some more like uh, in-depth gameplay and graphics discussion story and, and that sort of thing, uh, I thought it'd be fun to do something a little different with some of the uh, community inclusions we like to do with the Cartridge Club podcasts. On episodes I've hosted in the past, we've included community polls. This month, I'd like to give a shout-out to JJS Boyce and the fun facts he shared with the club on the community Discord about Mirror's Edge. This was entirely on his own accord, but they I thought they were so good that it would be a waste to not include them. So with that said, let's uh, kick off our first uh, Mirror's Edge fun fact. Mirror's Edge Fun Facts by J.J.S. Boyce, number one. The story was written by Rihanna Pratchett, yes, the daughter of the Discworld series author. Besides Mirror's Edge in 2008 and its tie-in comic, Rihanna also wrote Heavenly Sword in 2007, Tomb Raider 2013, and Rise of the Tomb Raider 2015, among others. Let's talk about some gameplay, and then with the gameplay, I thought it made sense to tie in the graphics, because the graphics kind of blend in there, as Marshall had mentioned, some of the the highlighting, which I I think, I don't know if they, I can't remember if they actually referred to it as runner's vision in this game, but that's heavily leans on that phrase uh, in the, the sequel prequel game. Yeah, so let's talk about the gameplay. Uh, We've kind of had a, a blend of reactions uh, to mentions of some clunkiness and potentially some combat and non-violence options. I guess we'll focus on the gameplay first. How's this game do things a little differently? We've mentioned parkour. Let's, um, Leo, you want to start this one off? Sure. Yeah. Um, platforming. It's super unique. I feel like being one, a first person platformer slash shooter and but you also get to see like your hands and your feet and you get to do really cool mechanics like rolls. It's not as smooth as you'd like or expect. And that's a little bit of a bummer, but some of the more acrobatic sections are super satisfying. Um, I feel like there's plenty of creative platforming to be done in the game as well. I really liked how there are often similar br- branching paths that lead you to like the same conclusion instead of just one straight path. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's not necessarily a sandbox. Yeah, you get get the multiple paths. So many options for a traversal too. And 
the fact that you see their legs for me is huge. It's like, it, that's one of my pet peeves, honestly, of, of modern games. It's like, we, we, you know, here's a, a 12 year old game. Even like Left 4 Dead was like one of the first games that also had legs, which sadly they removed in Left 4 Dead 2. But it's like, I don't know. For me, it's just, it's huge. You play a first person game, you look down, you should see, you should see your body. And not only that, the your body was very well integrated. I feel like a lot of first person games do not integrate like the movement of your body. You just kind of see that it exists by, I don't know, hands or fingers, but it's not very well, you know. And- yeah, absolutely. I think it head movement had something to do with that or something. They did a good job, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, head bob, which you can also turn off if I know some people might get a little bit motion sickness. And, and, and kind of going back to, to what Marshall said about VR, I think it would be an interesting idea, but there's no mm-hmm. way my stomach can handle this yeah, game in VR. I played some bad <laughs> VR games, and I think this one would be nauseous. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really tough. Like, I, yeah, I've played some very stationary VR games and got got uh, nauseous. Yeah, would be interesting to see somebody try to do it. Imagine speed runs of this game in VR. How <laughs> that could be like speed running in general for this game is insane, especially for kind of how touchy and how precise you have to be with some of these jumps and stuff. And they make it look so fluid, like a dance or something. It's it's so insane. And of course, they've come up with the most streamlined way to do it, but it looks like you're watching real parkour. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super cool in seeing some of these speed runs. Even some of the most recent ones where they've found some of these, the I guess I call them gimmicks or exploits, where they're able to slide off and have the character like clip on something. Hmm. And it's just, it's so insane that, you know, the game kind of feels broken sometimes when during movement. But when you find a game way to break it even more, it just turns into this insane thing to just sit there and watch. I actually never thought about looking up speedruns for this game. And it'd be interesting. It would be cool to see somebody who's very good at it play it because you know even though this is my third time playing it i still had some of the difficulties that i'm sure we all experienced uh momentum being very important and sometimes not being able to get that it's like how how do they expect me to run through this area how they want me to like especially when they have the um towards the end of the game when you have the enemy runners coming after you like they're quick Mm -hmm. and they really like they're 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 expecting you to to be able to to do all this parkour smoothly because if you're not running at a certain speed, Faith won't um, you know like hop over ledges or pull herself up as well, which I can can't. be somewhat frustrating at times. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I was hanging off a ledge and I'm just smashing the button to try to climb up faster because I'm just sitting there hanging by my fingertips, and then that combined with like forced combat. Because I don't know if uh, if everyone here chose to go with like if, with actually using weapons and stuff, but if you're going for the pacifist run, trying to just navigate while trying to keep your momentum going is so difficult, especially in the last sniper level. It's almost impossible uh, unless you really know the map layout. It's kind of reminds me of like reminiscent on older like NES and Super Nintendo games where you have to learn the pattern mm-hmm. to get through it. I guess more current most currently would be similar like Dark Souls games or something like that where you just had that repetition to learn it. But what the creators did was give you the freedom of choosing your route in any way and you can combine different elements from different things that you've learned to re-go through it. That way when 
you finally get through it. You're like, oh my gosh, I could just bypass all these enemies by just running around this way, and it keeps the momentum. But you have to learn that, and then it's just the trying over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that fall animation, and then got the achievement for figuring out how to animate myself around and flip the bird, which was awesome. Awesome little Easter egg. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. if you're in combat, you uh, if you fall off a high enough place and an enemy's right there, you can. Uh, do your um, on PlayStation? It's R one to flip around and then do your attack animation, and she'll flip the uh, the double finger at him. That's awesome. As she's falling, huh? It's a it's a it's a really cool achievement that I just accidentally found because I was just fresh. I'm just mashing stuff, <laughs> and then whoop, there it went. That's funny. <laughs> it was, it was That's cool. awesome. I'm gonna have to look that up. Derek, what are your thoughts on just general gameplay or even some of the the finer details of the gameplay? So I don't tend to stick with games for very long. I get uh, annoyed with games that I find don't respect my time. <laughs> and this game, I was very close to walking away several times uh, for that reason. I, I just feel like I don't like games personally for myself. I understand some people do that make me learn the path the hard way by dying over and over again mm-hmm. or learn the right pace or learn, you know, what to do when exactly. It just, uh, it frustrates me and uh, takes up a lot of my time, and I'd rather play a different game a lot of the time. So I went through that a lot in this game. Uh, I streamed the whole game, and I definitely swore a lot. <laughs> but uh, overall, it was it was fun. I'm glad I've done it. But I felt like the game sometimes didn't wasn't clear whether it wanted me to fight or to run. It, it just sometimes I felt like I had no choice but to fight. It was probably the path I took. I understand that. But other, I wouldn't necessarily have seen the other path, so I'd take away, get there, and then be, feel like I'm stuck with the fighting now. And, and it frustrates me because the fighting's so bad. <laughs> the fist fighting I didn't like, and and gunplay is terrible in the game. Like what what game uses these controls <laughs> for gunplay? Like right click to pick up and drop guns, no reload. It was, it's frustrating when they target you and you get, and they team up. That was one of the things I had a real problem with was during the, uh, I don't know if it was a hotel or something. It was the business office building where you have to get down and there's like two people each level that you go down. Yes, they yes. keep bunching up on me. And so I would knock one and the other one would just, would either like slap me in the face and shoot me or I'd get both of them shoot me at once because you only get two hits and you're dead. You only get one pushback and one slap and you're done or two bullets. And it's just, I see what they were trying to do with the combat is basically very heavily on the counters, or you could just go in guns blazing. But if you're going with no, no handed combat, it's very heavily on the counter system, which I feel like didn't work half the time because you had to wait for that specific moment where the gun would turn red, you grab it and disarm them. And then you'd have the gun in your hand, which was almost got me to lose that achievement very quickly because you ended up picking it up and your attack button is the same as the fire button. So yeah. I feel like if they would have improved that, because if you do it right, it looks really cool. It's really smooth. You pull the gun in and you kick him, you kick him down and you shut, you, you basically, you nullify him and then you can move on to the next one, but there's no targeting system whatsoever. So you end up swinging at the air half the time unless they're lined up perfectly. And I would think they could have improved on that a little better, like a button to auto target or have an actual physical button that you can push to move to the next opponent easier. Because I know it is about kind of pulling that enemy to a spot where you can disarm them and do whatever, but the the AI bunched up a lot of times on at least the normal difficulty. I can't imagine what it would be like on the hard difficulty doing this, but it, I feel like they could have worked on the AI a little bit better to make that easier. Great challenge, but it felt very clunky. 
Yeah. For me, it's, it felt like the AI was pretty aggressive too. Like we said with the, the bunching up one potential trade-off. And I, I don't know if they, they, they include the, um, so on PC you can hit R and it does like a slow-mo like for a few seconds. Yeah. So I don't know if that was one of their, they put that in because especially the disarming, uh, uh with the guys with like the assault rifles, I could never, like, I could just never get that timing down. Like, guys with pistols or shotguns, no problems. Guys with uh, the sniper rifles, no problems when it came to the, yeah, the assault rifles. Could. Just I just couldn't. And, like, it's too fast. <laughs> I kept forgetting I had that slowdown, too. And then there were times where I tried to use it for that exact reason. I was super frustrated. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have slowdown. I'll try using it. Nope. Didn't count at <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah. I still died. I found in those situations, it was actually more useful for me to slide into the guys and kick them or go high. But going high was harder to, to hit them correctly. You'd miss most of the time, or at least I would. But the sliding was usually how I'd break that that time where I'm frustrated and stuck. Mm-hmm. I would just slide into a guy, kick him, punch him, and then I'd finally get him down and move on to the next guy. Yeah, for, I ended up hitting the slowdown all the time on accident because on the xbox it's x and i would constantly hit it when i didn't mean to and i'd be like why is nothing happening but i i think yeah it's really important i feel like to comment that even on normal the combat is really harsh really harsh like and you can die during disarming that is such a like a really big deal i feel like in this game but i felt like overall other than the the area that i had the most trouble in was where you were in one of the office parks, but you had to go up in the ceiling and then around and across. You had to like jump on a couple bars and go across. And I died and got a really weird checkpoint. It like boosted me forward. And then I would spawn in the middle of a firefight every single time. Oh, no. I got a weird <laughs> checkpoint like that too, but I don't think it was the same place. And I didn't get stuck in a firefight like that. <laughs> yeah, it, That one took a while, but... Beyond that point, I actually did feel like I liked the AI's intelligence overall because at least it let you lure people if you had the opportunity versus some games where the AI is really like stupid and then they just always, no matter what, are just going to be in the same spot and not do anything. Yeah, that's so. true. It did turn change up your play, your runs every time. If you didn't die, you get a second chance because they may be in a different, a different path this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I found, especially for the luring part, uh, there was one section in like a parking garage where you drop down a ladder and then there's like yep. three, three guys with assault rifles and the guy with the big machine gun. And that was one of this, the parts where they almost like, they're almost forcing you to like, like the, you know, this would be a lot easier if you use a gun. I, I went, I went not, I went, uh, uh, not nonviolence, but, um, I didn't shoot anybody. So I'd, I'd, you know, try to disarm or take their guns. And that was one of the points where it's like, like I struggled so much to get through that part. It's like, do they they expect everybody to like, like, how do you do this? Like I I struggled so much and eventually, yeah, it was, I had to like lure. And that's when Mm -hmm. I really, I'd forgotten like how useful the slide kick was. And that's the part where like, I'd wait for a guy to come over, run it and slide at him and just do the punches and knock him down. Yeah, it's frustrating. Were you talking about the one that has the the three people? There's like one in the middle, one in the corner. There's two in the back, and there's like this little T hallway with elevators. Um, that? that was the first yeah. part where you come across one of the um, I forget what the kind of doors they are with the the circular 
Oh, the the uh, the valves or whatever. yeah, yeah, isn't it like a parking garage? Um, yeah, they had the back. I had the I had a lot of trouble with that one too because they had the two in the back that would bunch up. I couldn't get them to come in the doorway. I would slide out to kick them, and that would put me in line of fire with the machine gunner, and I could not get through it. And I didn't start using the slowdown. I was mainly using that for like to get to the pipes because I could never grab onto the pipes right. Mm-hmm. So I just started using that. Randomly, my slowdown would kick in if I didn't even go near the button. Did that happen to any of y'all? Hmm. Like just mm-hmm. randomly, I would come out of combat or I would land a certain way in the slowdown. Like, and not just the where you're landing on the big red platform, but like randomly, I would do a roll and then it would suddenly be in slow motion. Like I double tapped something by accident, and there was it triggered it. I don't know if it was my controller or if that was something that another motion you could do to trigger that in like kind of the fluidity of the. Action, it's like a button combo you can press to activate it. I didn't know if that happened to anybody else, though, or not. I mean, dude, was this PS3, you say? Yeah, PS3. And I would like. Axis controls? Yeah, oh, yeah. That was a whole other thing that was fun is using the Axis controls to do the balancing beams and stuff. But uh, my slow mo would randomly activate. I I was wondering if it was triggered by the the movement, but I was just guessing. That could be because I was swinging that controller around quite a bit in frustration. So it was going up and down. I'm like doing this motion and all this other stuff. So maybe that was it. But yeah, just it randomly activated and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't move. I'm like, why am I not turning? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got frustrating for a little bit, but it was good. Could have used improvements. Decently satisfied, especially for the age of the game and what they had to work with right now. So yeah, for sure. Time, so. And graphics wise, the game's really good graphics. I mean, beautiful game. Even even now, I'm, I mean, I'm running on PC. I'm playing at 1080p, and I had people on my stream comment that it looked really good. What am I playing on? Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of that might come from the setting too, because it's kind of like this this future sterile city. Because yeah. it's like which. I, I thought there were some interesting parallels to what was going on in this world and what we're experiencing currently, even though <laughs> this was 2009 when avian flu was actually like a concern. So it kind of went off that idea that it became much more of a serious thing. And that's why these cities kind of went the route they did. And then eventually the martial law and kind of the, the, the more strict rule, but yeah, graphically it's, I, I don't know. Like it, it, it's, pretty simple like a lot of these rooftops are pretty basic but yeah it just it looks it looks good the use of contrast and the bold colors against the you know mostly white backdrops a lot of the time like what the main colors red white black blue and green right like and just so solid um, I felt like, yeah, the art style was super unique in both the cutscenes and the environments overall. I really, <laughs> I found myself stopping to, you know, enjoy the various models and the scenery all the time. Like during the running and escape portions, I would lament not being able to look, <laughs> look around and get to know the area better. Yeah, there are some pretty cool areas you're escaping from too, like some of the the uh, like interior glass, you know, elevators and yeah. Yeah, they, they they do uh, they do push you around quite a bit. I did find the red like runner vision did not it wasn't reliable. You couldn't always count on it to work. Uh, I did actually start counting on or relying on the alt key, which would point you in the direction mm. of where you're supposed to go next. Yep, I relied on that quite heavily in some sections. I'm like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go. What does this game want me to do? Like, I'm sitting here ranting to myself frustrated and I'm like oh yeah let's just use the button that I shouldn't have to rely on but I do because 
it's not i don't i don't feel like the levels were designed in a great way a lot of the time and and also there was also a lot of use of orange that looked like the red and that threw me off several mm. times too where i'm like oh i'm supposed to grab this I'm like oh that's not grabbable never mind it's orange not red <laughs> sure yeah yeah I, I tried not to use the alt that much but yeah there's sometimes it's just like I'm so confused because I keep trying to go these different routes, especially in some of the places with the enemies and they're just like, just keep dying, keep dying. And then, Oh yeah. Alt. Uh, like I would forget about it. I think that adds to like the kind of the open world aesthetic, that kind of illusion though, because it's like, it gives you more of a, a realistic thing of being a runner. It's kind of like, I feel like, well, yes, it is frustrating at, at times, and there are certain times where you would hit the red, but it, you'd have to have the right amount of momentum or something like that, something you'd eventually figure out. But it kind of added to what if you were actually this runner? Do you automatically know these routes, or are you just trying to get away? You know, it adds to that kind of immersion of, you know, you got to find the quickest route, and sometimes you're going to screw up, you're going to go the wrong way, and you're not going to know where to go because as as efficient as you are as a runner, and that's where the runner vision comes in, you're not going to know the route every time. So having that button definitely helps, but also being able to get lost, I feel like adds to that immersion of being faith and being in that character, not knowing, you know, where you got it, where you're going to go. Whereas other games kind of take that streamlined effect that gives you a narrow path. You have this narrow thing, even in the open world setting, it says you have to go to point A to point B, you know, having that ability to get lost, I feel like was a really, kind of a cool decision but frustrating at the same time but mm-hmm. giving us that button to get out of it and of course adding on to just how beautiful the scenery was going with these simplistic colors and very very um i don't know what word i want to use very straightforward like cityscape designs where it's a lot of common shapes and, and stuff like that really added to it and just really you know it's you can either run through this thing and enjoy what you see but or stop and enjoy like what's around you especially in like the construction sites and some of the city street stuff, like doing the, the one where you go up under the bridge was super cool to see. Cause you can, you have this, this like not quite streamlined view of where you're going and you have to go around, but you get to see like all hustle and bustle underneath you while you're going to trying to distract you from where you're going. And I thought it was a, it was a great, great choice on the artist's decision there because it gives you a breakaway from just all the whites and everything. And you get like the grays and the, the subtle colors from like some of the cars passing by and the people. And I thought it was really cool how they did that. Yeah, totally. I, I, I think there could have been a little bit more uh, of like the red highlighting. Cause it seemed like it, it tended to be like platforms to jump off pipes or bars to swing on. But like, especially in some of the large areas when you're navigating across the rooftops they do tend to give a little less direction, but at the same time, that kind of leans into the like pseudo sandbox thing that they're trying to do. Whereas, you know, not so much to talk about the, the sequel slash prequel game mirrors Edge catalyst, which they went way too far with the runner's vision, like where you basically hit a button and it would show you the exact route to go the entire game. So you end up just doing that the whole time and it becomes yeah. Essentially, one I, corridor. Even though you can go different routes, I need something in between those two. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? like I need something that's not leaving me stranded, but makes me feel intelligent for finding it. Right? Yeah, 
like I like, like Portal, like Portal games, or uh, mm. even Left for Dead does it in the level design. I heard that talked about recently with Back for Blood missing that part that Left for Dead would would aim you in the right direction just using lighting. Yes, put you along the right path, and you just know where to go without having to really think about it. And I do like the ability to explore. I just don't want it to be at a time where I'm being shot at. <laughs> yeah. The stress, the stress of that, having to hurry and then not knowing where to go. And then I rely on the alt key to, to put me in a direction. Uh, I've also noticed times where the, the red highlighting was just wrong. Like I, there was these two bars. It was a level where it's all under construction. You have to go up several floors back and forth on those like girders kind of thing mm-hmm. anyway uh there was there was uh, pipes you jump across to swing on and one would highlight and then if i went past it it stayed highlighted even though i was supposed to go to the next one but if i just turned my screen the next one would highlight i turn back the previous one would highlight so it was mm-hmm. like it didn't know where i was or i was somewhere it didn't expect me to be so it was it was confused on how the path should go or where it should go next so that was frustrating because then I got in the middle and I wasn't sure that I go the wrong way and I had to go back now. <laughs> there was one thing that I noticed. I don't know if y'all noticed it too, but it was a way to kind of help find your path, but also find secret areas was if you noticed there were mirrors edge logos all over the levels that would be in red that would highlight. And I took, took me a while to figure out. I was like, Oh, this is cool. They're just, you know, like they just threw it because it's a mirror's edge thing. But no, I think that was previous runner's marks of where you could go to find like the cases. Um, and then sometimes they give you an alternate route to get away from combat. Mm-hmm. I noticed I first saw it in one of the construction levels and then I found it in the vents. And when I followed it, it took me around to one of the cases that I'd never would have found because the light showed over here, but the mark was over here. So I went further mm-hmm. and I thought that was kind of a really cool implementation that I don't know if a lot of players noticed. Because it's easy to pass up, but it's it's in like this gray or white area, and it's this big red mark, like like not very big, not very big, but it's it's noticeable if you catch it at just the right. Especially moment. in the vents, because the vents are so plain, there's not much there yeah. that catches your eye. And I I wasn't sure whether it was supposed to indicate a secret or the right path forward. And mm-hmm. then I noticed it didn't take me to the right path forward to progress in the level. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. Maybe it just marks the cases, is what I I chalked it up to next. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind. They're kind of like it feels like random spots, but it feels like. But once you kind of like explore a little bit more, you have the time to explore with the combat later on in the game. It leads to just some really cool stuff, and I thought that was kind of a cool little addition of how they could say like, like they if they kind of took from other games when it came to leading to secrets that way, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the collectibles I think add a. An- a nice touch. I don't know. Does, do you guys care about collectibles at all? Did you collect all of the bags? I didn't get them all, but I do Not I do them. like them. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went for them when I saw them, but if I didn't see it, I didn't pay attention because I didn't know how many there were, like what to expect, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And also my first real playthrough of it, that's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of go for it, just trying to beat it, especially with the frustrations. <laughs> yeah, it's good for a second playthrough. Yeah. Trying to find everything. Did you find them all? No, I I I found twenty two. Okay, but not all. There's a lot more than I did. (laughs) I think there's like three per level, and then or three per area, and then there's like 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 thirty something total, thirty two total or something like that. But when you pick one up, it'll show show in the top right corner how many for that area, and then how many total out of the whole game. So I only yeah, I I think one thing that would have been cool uh, in 
it, probably just because this was probably more of a like a risky development sort of game is I do wish there was a little bit more room to do a little bit of exploration because it is largely kind of point A to point B, even if you're going a couple different routes. It's pretty straightforward. So it would have been cool to have a little bit more of that. And then by adding a little bit more exploration, you could have done a little bit more with the parkour. Sometimes it felt like it was a little underutilized at times. Also, one little side note, I actually loved how it kind of added to the immersion of the of the uh, open world kind of real world aesthetic that they went for, even though it was it was the point A to point B. But if you looked closely at like some of the surrounding areas, it had like text and stuff that would fill in what was going on outside of the runner's world. Like these runners are these are the government's trying to post off as these runners are evil people and that your kids shouldn't grow up to be runners. Like if you looked in the elevator where the text mm-hmm. was scrolling, had a, a lot of like external story elements. And I thought that was really cool. Also, some of the computer terminals had stuff pulled up on them that you could read. And I love it when games do that. A couple of franchises have capitalized kind of on that. And I'm glad that Mirror's Edge kind of took that same direction where they have these little, just more information about the world around just hidden in like their loading screens, which is what the elevator scenes were, I'm assuming. And it would just have that that text that showed you more of this this world that we only get to see from like Faith's perspective and the runner's perspective of, and just kind of how big it actually is in the sense of of what kind of world we're dealing with. Any other thoughts on gameplay graphics before we move on? I think we covered a lot of it pretty well. I mean, we all, we all did kind of mention in some way the the um disarming I think I said this specifically but I really liked I I really enjoy when video games give you that alternative this kind of goes all the way back to Metal Gear Solid for me you know way back PlayStation 1 I thought that was so cool here you know video games are always about you know killing shooting whatever and this is another one of those earlier games well 2009 not too early but still there aren't a ton of games that give you that choice to not kill anybody um you still can fight people they don't punish you for for like punching knocking people out but uh you know you can get the achievements for not firing a bullet as as marshall mentioned and i always any game that allows me to do non-violence or you know not non-killing i i tend to to go that route and i thought that was pretty cool it is. It, it kind of plays into Faith's character and kind of the idea of the runners too, because they're they try to be a nonviolent group. Especially if you see some of the interactions. Not going to say the specific one in case anybody hasn't played it, and hopefully they hear this and decide to go play it. Even with some of the interactions that involve weapons, like they go for the nonviolent route because the vun- the runners are just messengers, you know, yeah. and that's kind of the whole play on it. And if you see the loading animations, it's all about the disarming rather than the the gun combat. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. all these like cool things that you should be able to do to get the gun away from them. And, you know, you're, you should be well, like the runners are well suited in hand to hand combat. So that way they don't have to seriously harm anybody. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a great way to kind of add more to the character development and uh, just kind of what these, the runners are all about. Yeah, Absolutely.
Mirror's Edge Fun Facts by JJS Voice number 2. Shortly after Mirror's Edge 2008 was released, a free 2D browser-based version of the game universe also went live, also from DICE, the developer, and EA, the publisher. JJS Voice remembers having a job as a temp in an office for a few weeks in 2010, and he had a good hour or two of downtime every day. And he'd become a huge fan of the full game the previous year, and this was something that he could play at his desk through just the web browser. Unfortunately, Flash stopped being a thing as of January of this year, but there is another way to play, and it only takes a couple of minutes to set up. It's worth it for the hour or two of pretty decent gameplay that you get. Download Flashpoint 10 Infinity. So it is a self-extracting zip file, and you can go to the extracted folder, click on the shortcut titled Start Flashpoint, and then type Mirror's Edge into the search bar to find the game, and you're off to the races. Okay, so uh, Marshall, you kind of started touching on some of the story. So uh, I think this game has pretty interesting story. It's kind of unique in some regards. So you you talked about the kind of the philosophy of the runners. Runners are there to move information from place to place in this like strictly controlled society. Who knows exactly what they're always running? I mean, I don't know. Runners uh, always made me think of like drug runners or gun runners and stuff. <laughs> Not sure if how much of that's going on, but they they tend to try to be on the the up and up from most of the impression I got. But other than that, general story, what would everybody kind of think of what they, what they did here and like, what is the story uh, besides that? We kind of mentioned that there was a crime committed. Um, we can go into a little bit more, more details about the story. If anybody thinks anything's worth interesting to talk about. It's definitely yeah. enough. Uh, the runners definitely run enough to get them in trouble. That's for sure. And get the eyes of people that don't want their information leaked. As we see, a lot of corporations, or we hear about a lot of corporations, especially right now, without going into details, I think we all know the recent information that has been coming out on certain businesses, but it's uh, information that these companies definitely don't want out. And I've, I've, I kind of thought this story was really cool of how it ties in with Faith so closely and focuses really on not only her story, but just the what kind of attack these people are under, uh, what kind of like weight that these corporations and stuff are putting on these, these people. And of course the main bad guy as in so many video games is head of this big corporation. Uh, the runners have some information on them that they don't want released. So they are trying to not only keep that information under wraps, but also trying to make a police officer kind of fall for this, crime that commits that is committed and it kind of just all comes to a point head with faith being a runner and being tied into it too considering her family member is one of these one of these uh police officers who are are we good for spoilers or not so much i think we're okay it's you know 12 year old Um, game at this point i have to go into every detail but right it's it's one of the it's loosely saying that the cops, you find out later on that the cops are slowly intertwining with the corporation in terms of keeping things wrapped and keeping things kind of fluid and not letting the waters get too choppy for um, mayors to get reelected, corporations to continue to make their money and to 
keep the general public where they want them to be. I feel like is, uh, at least that's kind of how I took the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing they ever mentioned as well is that Faith has, or you as the character, the player has Mercury in your ear the whole time, kind of directing you, giving you general directions like, oh, now you need to get to the rooftop, that kind of thing. And if, without that, this game would have been significantly harder as well. <laughs> you would have been had to maybe make the character talk to themselves or something like that, which some games do. Uh, but having him there help and, and makes it so you're not just alone doing this running. Yeah, it definitely helps with the immersion and just the general chat kind of helps build some of the characters. They don't go like too in depth with a lot of them. And there's, there's a small cast, you know, Faith, main character, some of the other runners like Celeste and Jackknife. And then there's like Lieutenant Miller. Yeah. Yeah. All these other small cast, but you know, they all, all serve their roles pretty well. Yeah, the communication I was a piece that I really enjoyed in this game, both from Merck, just like sort of in your ear and being like, hey, you can go this way or nope, sorry, this way is blocked off. But also the way that AI communicated with each other, just like hearing patrols or them talking to each other about where you are. And Marshall, you mentioned too the additional information that could be on posters, the office equipment in the elevator that added such a, a nice layer to the gameplay for me. Yeah, they don't. The, every, every game doesn't need to like shove the story in, in your face. It lets you kind of take it in as as you want and just kind of experience it for those who want it. And some people maybe they just didn't read anything, and that's you know makes for the experience that you want to have. I guess. Yeah, it's very cool how they did it. It's kind of similar. Reminds me um, bits and pieces of it remind me of like Doom and Halo with like their terminals. Mm-hmm. Um, and be able to just look around and just get more information rather than this streamlined like kind of experience. I feel like it it gave way more layers to to this, and of course, adding adding more depth to the other stuff like the Flash game and the the pre sequel. And I think didn't they come out with the comic book series as well? They did. Uh, the comic series and will, it will be mentioned. Oh, very <laughs> cool! Little precursor there. I just. Just saw it on my thing. <laughs> but um, it, it ties into the story because I know a lot of them reference the little things in the game. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't remember seeing that. So you go back and play it, then you'll you'll see it. And it's right there in front of your face the whole time. And I love those little things that you can reminisce on later on as well. So I think the, the developers did a great job when implementing that kind of stuff. It's not in your face, but it's also there if you want to find it. And it's also, you know, not non-existent too. So where it's... You know, where you have to dig to outside sources to get more of the story. You actually have some of it there embedded if you want to find it. Yeah, it's not the most, like, compelling story. You know, it's pretty pretty straightforward, pretty basic. You know, you kind of, for me anyways, the, the surprises are not terribly surprising. I mean, it is, this is more of a, you know, North American experience, but when you got the kind of, sly guy with like the, the, the British accent. It's like, Oh wait, he's, eh, he's probably going to be, be backstabbing me. And sure enough, he does. I mean, he might turn around later, but some of the character personalities are, are, are kind of cliche. But, you know, I'd imagine they didn't get a ton of wiggle room with the development of the game. This was like right at the time when, especially with EA games that they were, demanding every game have a multiplayer component, which 
unfortunately, I think was one of the big uh, downfalls to the the sequel prequel game, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, that there is a lot of like online stuff like ham fisted in the game to its to its detriment. Unfortunately, this game didn't really have that, so this was a very like kind of straight to the point sort of experience. And it's a shorter shorter game too, which we all might agree. At kind of as we're all kind of getting getting a little older, busy with our lives, work, and you know relationships and whatnot. It's nice to have a, a shorter experience here and there. I like I like I like long games, but you know compared to twenty years ago when I would huff about a game being less than forty hours, now it's like oh it's five hours. Oh count me in. Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier full-time jobs, school, relationships, stuff like that. Something that not only is short, so you can actually enjoy it in a short amount of time, but also that's segmented off in chapters. Uh, I've noticed as I've gotten older and things have gotten more complex with my life, having something that I can have a designated starting point, designated stopping point, that's not like a Call of Duty multiplayer game or a race or two on a game or even a mobile game, something that I can go through, sit down, play one chapter, as frustrating as it could be and turn into from a 30 minute endeavor to an hour endeavor, I still feel like it's more manageable, especially now nowadays and not necessarily has an arcade feel, but more of a, you know, I know I have enough time to do this. Let me sit down and actually enjoy it because I know there will be a stopping point where I can take a break, go do the rest of my stuff in life and then come back to it later. And you're not sitting there having to, you know, push forward and worry about running out of time and not being able to finish it in that time frame that you are given in your busy life. Yeah. And not only that, being able to see just how many chapters are in the game, if you'd like. And so you can see like, how far am I progressing? How much more am I you know, going to have to do? And yeah, it helps like time box or put little concrete chunks on the gameplay, which I really appreciated. Mirror's Edge Fun Facts by JJS Voice number three. Uh, Mirror's Edge 2008 had a tie-in limited series comic of the same name with six issues mostly released in 2009. It was later collected in a trade paperback, which JJS Voice has. Um, it was written by the game writer Rihanna Pratchett and published by one of DC's imprints. The comic is a prequel to the game and it takes place when the protagonist, Faith, is just finishing up her training and becoming an official runner. To JJS voice, uh, one of the more interesting things about the comic is that it includes appearances from other characters mentioned in the game, but with minimal to zero screen time, like Drake and Krieg. And it establishes a couple new characters as well, making the universe feel a little larger. If the comic is hard to find physically, he says it's possible you can find PDFs floating around online if you seek them out. Just don't mix it up with Exordium, which is the prequel Mirror's Edge Catalyst uh, in comic book comic form. More background on the comic can be found on mirrorsedge.fandom.com. I always like to talk about the music in the game. Music's always pretty important to me, and I think this game has... Some pretty decent music, although it's for me, it, it, it's kind of like one particular standout track, and then the rest is kind of like your your background or action music. So, what would you all think about the music? 
I think the music in this game is incredible. Like, yes, people are going to remember Still Alive the most because it's super catchy. It's a bop after all. But really, if you listen to the soundtrack individually, it the whole thing hits. Um, I feel like the game is really good about juxtaposing super ambient music for platforming sections and then also like energizing, I don't know, electronic music for the more intense scenes, specifically, of course, the combat and some running escape scenes. And I really liked that there is a song for each chapter. Um, my favorite sound, my favorite track, if anyone wants to look up the soundtrack, is probably Shard from chapter nine. intro song also so good and new eden um, that song if you've played sayonara wild hearts gave me huge sayonara wild hearts vibes hmm. i actually haven't dove into the soundtrack as much as i should and get, give it like a full proper listen and i really need to do that but yeah still alive is is a fantastic song that's like anytime people talk about like um and I don't know if it's actually a licensed song. Do we? Does anybody know if was it made for this game? Because they 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 blended in quite a bit, and you only get to hear the lyrics in like a couple parts. But it's usually it's just kind of that like the base theme of that song uh, is kind of like the main theme of the game. It does look like it was uh, made just for uh, this this game in two thousand eight. It's okay. like it's under uh, one of the artists is actually Lisa Miss Miskowski or Miskowski or Miskowski. I'm going to say Miskowski. It says it was a single for Mirror's Edge. So mm. definitely one of the most notable songs from the soundtrack. Given she was kind of brought in, the rest of the soundtrack was done by a group called Solar Field. That's um, right. Out of, uh, out of Sweden. Um, the main musician is uh, Magnus uh, Bergerson. No, it doesn't do too much outside in other. I think uh, Mirror's Edge and Catalyst were the only two games that they had done, but very noticeable, very notable soundtracks. Like uh, like Leah had said, that it's very it really adds to the immersion where it's kind of like platforming is very is the sound is very fluid and it kind of meshes in with the the ambience of the city and everything. It's more a lot more relaxing. It doesn't feel as intense, but when you have those intense high action moments, the music kind of gets you pumping and going and really gets you kind of like, I'm not necessarily saying that it gets you like antsy, but I feel like the music kind of added to the, the anxiety I started to get for making sure I made these jumps correctly or made for these combat scenes to just be so much more intense. And that's what I love about the sound design of Mirror's Edge is that they all blends together so well. It, I feel like it would be a completely different experience if they had gone a different direction with sound, not only with the, the ambience and the, uh, even down to the the sounds of the weapons and just the sounds of your footsteps and even the the breathing mechanics wouldn't be mechanics but the breathing noises but the soundtrack and the music adds in with all that and it blends beautifully i think they did a great job yeah i'm glad you mentioned the breathing and like that's like wh- whoever thinks about that in the game and yeah it's like when you're running and doing all the platforming like she's you know huffing a little bit and when you fall there's a, a last breath you hear yeah. i don't know if it's every time or not but it got me. It made me laugh a little bit the first couple of times. <laughs> when you, it's when you land on your back. 
Oh, okay. There you go. That makes sense. It's, it's from what I've noticed it the most, because like I said, I've seen that fall animation plenty of times. Um, and it's when I notice when I'm, I'm falling, like I fall like down by like that, or if I like belly flop onto the ground, it's always when I'm on my back or I'm falling from the ledge backwards is when I heard it the most. So for music, I'll be honest, I muted the game immediately. If I muted the music immediately, because I was streaming. And every mm. time I stream a game, I just mute so I don't have to worry about any copyright stuff at all. So I, I played the game with no music, so I heard a lot of the ambience. <laughs> um, there is a Spotify playlist that has the soundtrack and Catalyst soundtrack on there if you want to give it a listen. It's definitely, um, I feel like with the ambient songs, it's great for if you're studying or working on a project. Video editing, um, I've had Mirror's Edge playing a couple times back in the past when I would do uh, video edits. Great study music, and then if you're just wanting something to kind of spice up the night, it's a great soundtrack to put on. I'm still searching for the vinyl myself, but mm -hmm. I have the CD and digital soundtracks, and they're phenomenal just for occasional listening for sure. Yeah, and thanks for mentioning Solar Fields too. Yeah, it's, I always forget... They did that. And then uh, well, with uh, this and Catalyst, as you mentioned, they both did the soundtracks of both games. In Catalyst, there's kind of like a... It's not really a meme. It's a very minor like internet joke that very uh, very few people have, have probably even acknowledged that um, uh, the group Churches did the like the, the ending song for Mirror's Edge Catalyst, and kind of the joke was that uh, Hideo Kojima saw that and he's like, I want them to do Death Stranding for me. <laughs> no. I still need to play that. Yes, you do. Mirror's Edge Fun Facts by JJS Boyce. Number four. Mirror's Edge had a prequel game of the same name that was a launch title for the first iPad in 2010. This is not to be confused with the free base or the free flash based web game mentioned in the second fun fact, which was titled Mirror's Edge 2D. JJS Boyce missed this at the time, and the game wasn't updated after iOS version 7.1.2, so it was removed from the App Store in 2015. If you can figure out a way to freshly acquire and play this, you're more determined than he is. The iOS game was really well received at the time, and Judged by the views and comments on the Let's Play, there are likely people still out there with iPhone 4S and earlier with a copy of this game downloaded. But JJS Boyce is settling for being able to watch it. There are a couple of full playthroughs on YouTube. As always, trying to find more ways to include uh, the community and get the community's thoughts on the game of the month. For this month, we're bringing back the three word reviews on Twitter. So we got a few of those. First one here is from Blink at Blinkoom, who Leo might be familiar with. Uh, he says, he says runs, not guns. And then we have a Josh Leslie at frantic society. And he says stylish and original. And then I was going to put everybody on the spot, but Derek got to, got to jump on that. So what was your th three word review? I was simply Finally beat it. Sorry. Yeah, finally beat it. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Forget what I said 20 minutes ago. <laughs> uh, Marshall, can, can you come up with a three-word review on the fly? Can I fudge it and put two words together? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Don't shoot the messengers. Sure. Sure, that works. That works. 
Don't or don't shoot messengers. Don't, don't shoot messengers. There we go. Don't shoot messengers. <laughs> How about you, Leah? I would three word review. Unique, bold, janky. Perfect. <laughs> that that works. Good. For me, it'd be. I I didn't even think about this ahead of time. Put yourself on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I, it's kind of kind of cliche, but I, I I always like to say um, underappreciated hidden gem. Mm. So I'll go with that. Lots of volume work too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I got one more I can add. Yeah, test of faith. Ooh, Ooh. nice. It's also, the achievement. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anything, anything here uh, that we didn't touch on that you think worth mentioning? Gameplay, graphics, story, characters, music, anything. Any final thoughts? I feel like for as much as we slash probably mostly everyone complain about the game. I really think that it is worth it to play. It's not too long. You can totally get through it with a guide if you need to. And it's so, I think it's worth it. For all the frustration that I have, it it is a really, really cool experience. Awesome. I think it holds very well up to, very well in today's standards. It's very easily accessible. And I think that it's, it is unique enough to be a game that's going to be timeless, I think, just for how unique the gameplay is, how the mechanics do work, and potentially what kind of mods you could do on the PC version. I kind of haven't delved into that, but I've heard a lot of people doing a lot of mods with games that shouldn't be able to get mods, but... I feel like there's a lot of potential for what could come of the series if we revisit it and... I think it should be at least a once playthrough for anybody who likes those weird, obscure titles. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, too. Uh, I'm glad I did play it. I almost wish I had, I don't know, watched a, a playthrough first to get an idea of what I could be missing before to make it a little bit easier on the combat combat side or something. But, yeah, I, I don't think I'll probably ever play it again, but that's not unlike me. I don't I don't really repeat games very often unless they're multiplayer co-op shooters. <laughs> Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. For me, it's it's a game. Like I said, I, I for years I've posted about this on social media, talked about it on previous podcasts before. I think it's a an underrated gem. It didn't sell great, but it did well enough that they gave it a second shot with the sequel. Uh, unfortunately, with Mirror's Edge Catalyst and kind of that the insertion of unnecessary multiplayer elements, I think detracted from the overall game. And it it didn't Mirror's Edge Catalyst uh, I think bombed pretty 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 hard and then because of the the terrible side content it it didn't get the the best uh, ratings but I, I would say for anybody who enjoyed the original Mirror's Edge that Catalyst is definitely worth a playthrough my best advice is seriously ignore all the side content, just stick with the story. It won't be a terribly long game because all the side stuff is all just time trials and fetch questing. And it's, it's not great, but overall the game, I thought the game was cool and there's some neat things they did um, to try to kind of like build on what they had started. So yeah, so I I definitely would recommend mirror's edge. Check it out once, you know, uh, stumble your way through the game uh, as as fluid as it's intended to be. That's kind of how I feel. Agreed. Yeah, there are great moments of fluidity. Yeah. Yeah. 
just want to mention some upcoming games of the month for the Cartridge Club in case anybody listening isn't aware of those games. And I would definitely encourage you to play along if you can or if you have any interest. Season 9 of Cartridge Club is starting off with with a banger, and that is Horizon Zero Dawn, a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Uh, is it on PC? I don't know. I, is it on PC yet? I think it's getting a PC port. I can't remember. But anyways, Horizon Zero Dawn for September. October is one of my favorite games of all time, and that's uh, Diablo 2 or Diablo 2 Resurrected. Picked as kind of like a, sort of a horror tie-in, not, not an outright horror game, but has some horror elements. So I think it works for October and comes out just in time. So, so that's a good one. And then announcing the Cartridge Club Game of the Month for November. Season 9, Episode 3 is Spyro the Dragon, originally released on the PlayStation 1 in 1998 and remastered for the Spyro Reignited Trilogy, and that's available on pretty much all modern systems. So however you can play along, definitely encourage doing that. Horizon is on Steam. Awesome. And it's super good. Really good. I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard about it at this point. If you haven't played it, would definitely recommend it. Even if you can't play the entire game, you know, it's it's a hefty game. Even just checking it out. And then you can always share your thoughts and listen along with that podcast, regardless if you finish the game or not. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Cartridge Club Game of the Month podcast. Again, if you'd like to get involved with the club, I'd encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cartridge Club NA. You can also visit our Discord, which has a lot of discussion for Mirror's Edge. And there's also the Cartridge Club forums at cartridgeclub.org and the Facebook community and group pages. Uh, To those of you who are interested in supporting the club beyond a review on the podcast app of your choice, I'd like to mention the club is entirely funded by pledges made from members of our community. We're extremely grateful to those supporters, and if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look into how you can do that at patreon.com slash cartridge club. And then I would like to give uh, each of our guests an opportunity to give their social media shout outs or any other sort of content they do online. So let's uh, start with you, Leah. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Weary Sprite. You can find me on Twitch as Sprite San. And I also, completely unrelated to games, have a YouTube channel that is called Eventual Knits. It is knitting, crochet, etc. So you can check me out in those places. Awesome. And Derek? Uh, on Twitter, I'm D-E-G-E-1-3. I have YouTube, but I don't really post much. I have Twitch, but I don't stream that much. <laughs> I'm also on another podcast, the Not-So-Special Podcast. That's it. Awesome. And Marshall? You guys can find me on Twitter at SirFlynn1, as well as Instagram. I do believe it is still by the same name at the moment. <laughs> And as well as hopefully we'll be starting up content back on Twitch at Flynn's Game Room, as well as on YouTube at Flynn's Game Room. And the Tilt Mavericks podcast will be coming back. So look forward to seeing, or I'm looking forward to starting that back up here later on this week, actually. And that will be on Spotify and YouTube. Tilt Mavericks. Perfect. Excellent. And for me, I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as The Game Grinder, and my YouTube is The Game Grinder as well. So 
you're interested in that, check it out. And also co-host the Game Tenants podcast. Just want to say a huge thank you to all of you for joining me for this episode of the Cartridge Club podcast. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate talking. Thanks for having us. And uh, hopefully uh, get to do it again in the future. It was a blast. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thank you. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for joining us. CC Unite. Unite.